Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, it's been quite a week, you know? Quite a couple weeks. Quite a couple weeks. Man. It's amazing what a couple weeks can do. Um, you know, but the, the most important question I seem to be getting from people, though, is do you have enough toilet paper? Yeah, and that's a good question. Do you have enough in your house? I, I um, <clears throat> yeah, my wife is always stocked up on toilet paper just for this time. Oh, well, you are set. <laughs> so you're the one that's hoarding all the toilet it's paper. It's not me. It's Tammy. I, we had a conversation my, with her. Because my wife came home from Walmart and Sam's and said they are out of toilet paper, Kleenex, and and paper towels. And yeah. she was a little panicked about yeah. that. Well, we, we've got some extra for the right price. <laughs> not that <laughs> right. I would do that. I would, we would well, help I your family her, out. I, th- I think we'll be okay. The kids aren't home anymore. It's just the yeah. two of us, you know, and I got some old rags out in the workshop we can cut up. <laughs> she didn't seem to like that comment, but yeah, it's amazing. <clears throat> the panic out there It really is. Um, I mean, in our opinion, it's overblown. It's unusual what's going on, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to try to give you some, some encouragement, some hope, and kind of get into the data and the statistics to understand where we've been and where we're going. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is an unusual time, and and obviously there's a lot to talk about here. Um, And, you know, we're going to start off talking about the coronavirus and the market, you know, what we've been through, kind of where we've been the last couple months with this and and, and where we, you know, kind of see it going, you know. Um, and then we're going to talk about kind of what's next. Yeah, what what to do. I mean, we, we're here. This happened very quickly. Uh, this is one of those events, kind of like 9-11, that, that you can't predict. Um, and so uh, there's some strategies that we see, and, and the studies basically say don't panic. And uh, we're going to have some other ideas and things to uh, to do and not to do. So uh, we'll, we'll dive into it. And we've got a good financial fact of the week, not really coronavirus-related, but it's related a little bit. We'll tie it back in. Yeah, yeah, that'll be good as well. Um, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 25 years' experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a lot of tools, a lot of resources. You can listen to the podcast from the computer, download them to iTunes, a lot of different ways to listen to us out there. We have quite a few people that are listening to us, so we're, you know, we're, we're stoked today. We're uh, you know, energized. We have had a lot of conversations about this over the last month, and um, hopefully you'll find this beneficial as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, check out our website, um, moneymd.net. You can link to us there. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll talk about those um, here on the show. We're going to start off here, John, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this comes from the, the Commerce Department. And, and Steve, it's a, it's a pretty positive number here. And the personal savings rate in the United States, close to 8% in 2019. It's the highest rate since 2012. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 the positive thing of that is, you know, hopefully people are, are, are well positioned to get through this, right? I mean, right. emergency <clears throat> funds and, 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 uh, paying off debt and things like that. And, and one of the takeaways is, is that, um, you know, the, the economy and the markets will come back up. We can't tell you the, the day or the timing associated with it, but when it does get good again, uh, get that savings rate up, get that emergency rate up, because things like this happen and you can't tell when it's going to happen. So it's a pretty good savings rate. Yeah, and that really does highlight, I mean, this, this situation like this highlights the need for a, an emergency fund. Absolutely. You know, because 
you know, if you work in a restaurant, you know, you work in certain industries, obviously you, you may be, you know, out of work for a while. You may be furloughed for a while. That can happen, you know. I mean, you can always lose your job. You never know what the future holds. So you got to have that three to six month emergency fund out there to help get you through, you know, and just like companies do as well. Hopefully the airlines have some emergency funds, but, you know, I mean, so they're going to need it. Yeah, it's <clears> called <throat> the government. <laughs> I think they're doing <laughs> well, some we'll see. I heard on the news this morning, though, that they thought they would run out of money by the end of the year. Mm. And I was surprised they might have that much reserve. Yeah. Well, so, I, I think the fact is, is the economy in the United States is and has been very strong. It has. Anytime <clears throat> that, uh, you know, it's, we're going through what we're going through is a shock. But gosh, unemployment was so low. And and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through this. But uh, yeah, d- definitely a, a, a different time. Yeah, it is. It is. So emergency fund, very, very important. That savings rate is, uh, that was a good number last year. So hopefully that has built up a little cushion here. For the economy. Well, we're going to jump right into this, John. I mean, because we have a special edition of Money MD here as we kind of go into overdrive discussing the coronavirus and how this is affecting the stock market. Um, we know people have a lot of questions out there about, you know, why the market's dropping so rapidly due to this and whether they should be doing anything about it. I mean, a lot has changed since we talked about this just two weeks ago um, here on the show. So, you know, I think it calls for a little more in-depth discussion now. Um, that we've had these unprecedented developments over the past week. Yeah, and it's certainly been remarkably uh, remarkable how fast this process of shutting things has has happened, uh, restricting the travel. Um, you know, other than nine eleven, there's not a lot of incidents over the last forty years that have changed the focus of Americans in the world so quickly. I mean, it, it's really been quick, and rightfully so. I mean, this is certainly a serious uh, virus, and and it's particularly dangerous for the elderly. I think that's where the most of the concern comes in and also over overwhelming the hospitals. But if you look at the WHO, um, the World Health Organization's website, uh, the mortality rate for people over the age of 80 is 14% and around 8% for those between 70 and 79. So it's this is particularly um, challenging, and the concern is for the elderly. Yeah, yeah the it's, ser- it's serious. That's right. It also has a very high mortality rate. Um, for folks that have certain illnesses, mm-hmm. um, you know, five to ten percent mortality rate for anybody with cardiovascular disease, diabetes, chronic respiratory disease, or cancer. Um, <clears throat> so you know, I mean, that's that's pretty high. So it so it is definitely a serious situation for most of the people. Though the death rate is less than one percent. Um, so you know, even you know, <clears throat> um, though the symptoms look similar to the flu, this is very different has a lot higher mortality rate, 10 times that of the flu overall. So, you know, it's a significant situation that everybody, you know, rightfully so, is paying attention to. Um, And as everybody has seen recently, the stock market has reacted violently to all the developments over the past week. Um, And even the positive moves by the Fed to aggressively lower interest rates and provide liquidity has scared investors and resulted in some huge drops. Um, so the natural question that people are asking is, you know, how bad can this get and should we be doing anything about it? So we're going to dig into that in a few minutes because those are important questions. But let's first talk a little bit about kind of where markets are now um, and how do we get here? I mean, after all, it was just four weeks ago that markets were at all time highs. It seems like a year ago. <laughs> it's hard to believe. But, yeah, the Dow hit twenty nine five fifty one. Just about a month ago on February the 12th, before it gradually started slipping 
And then on my birthday, thank you, on yeah. February 24th, <laughs> Thanks, Steve. the Dow saw its first thousand point drop and on the news that the virus was spreading in South Korea and and was starting to hit here in the U.S. Yeah, and after a, a few days of big drops, we saw some nice rebounds uh, during the first week of March as it appeared that the virus might be contained uh, to the nursing home uh, in Washington State. And uh, But things then started to uh, unravel last week as it be- became apparent that it was spreading you know, throughout the country. So the question that we, we get is, why is the stock market reacting so violently to this news every day? And the answer is simply that investors are really trying to figure out you know, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and that translates into, you know, questions about the economy and future earnings of companies. And uh, so this situation is somewhat unprecedented. And, um, you know, we, we did see something like this in 9-11, and I'm going to address that a little bit later. But right. this has been very quick. This is like a 9 – to me, this is more like 9-11 than 2008. Yep, um, I agree. It's just a sudden, like, bam, something happened, and then it's changed our life uh, dr- dramatically. Yeah, it's it's based on an event, you yeah, know. It's yeah. not really a systemic, you know, financial issue in the economy, and um, you know, and there's a lot of uncertainty out there because, like we said, it's unprecedented, and you know, it it, it the, the investors are trying to digest this and trying to extrapolate that into what it means for the economy and earnings over the next year, and you know, if it's quickly contained. Um, in a month, um, then the economic damage, you know, might be minimal and it might warrant higher stock prices. And we see the market, you know, in any indication that we see the market jump up, yeah. you know, a thousand points. And I think that's what they're trying to do by shutting everything down is you hear the flatten the curve. Right. 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 They're trying to control it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to trying to, you know, get this to taper off very quickly and trying not to overload the health system. Um, but if it drags on for six months, then, you know, the damage could be significant and it could indi- indicate a longer bear market and lingering recession. Um, of course, no one knows how this is going to unfold. But, you know, I'm optimistic, you know, based on some reasons that we'll discuss recent uh, here shortly, that uh, it may be the former rather than the latter. And this may not last as long as, uh, you know, some people are fearing. So but back to the original question of how bad might this get? And should we be doing anything about it? You know, of course, no one really knows the answer to the first part of that question. But, I mean, history does kind of give us a clue. You know, when you look at other bear markets, um, by the way, a bear market is defined as a 20% drop in the Mm -hmm. stock market from its high point. Yeah. Right? So Um, the other one is correction. That means 10% down. This has gone past that, and now we're in a bear market. We're in a bear market. Absolutely. Yeah, the S&P 500 was down about 30% from its high as of Tuesday of this week. So we're well into bear market territory. Um, and when you look back over the last 40 years, we see uh, bear markets, which were down anywhere from 20% to 58% for the most major bear market out there. Um, you know, the last one we had was the financial crisis of 2008, where it dropped, you know, from the top point all the way down 58% um, to the bottom about a year and a half later. But it wasn't there very long. It did jump up, and it was back around that 50% number pretty quickly um, within a few days of that bottom point. Um, But quite frankly, I mean, I think that's a drastic outcome that is unlikely this time since it's not based on a systemic financial problem in the economy you know, with that event, the way that one was. <clears throat> and therefore, it's not likely to keep dropping for 18 months like yeah. that scenario happened back yeah. in 2008. That's right. 
Um, that was a totally different situation. But on the other hand, I mean, if this drags on, you know, it could certainly create some economic problems. And it obviously could become a major bear market <clears throat> in that 50% range if it dragged on. Um, having said that, I mean, I think that's unlikely. Um, but even if that did happen, I mean, keep in mind, we're already over halfway there, you know, and that might play out in a week if, you know, or two, if you know, given the speed of these events. So, I mean, it, it can develop pretty fast. So the question is, is, you know, should you be doing anything um, if you really believe that that might happen? And, and I'm going to go into a lot more detail, but the short answer is, you know, history says the answer is no. Um, so why would we say that? I mean, one of the reasons is simply that statistically markets are more likely to recover from here than continue down. And, and the fact is, is that three-fourths of the bear markets that are down this level begin a recovery, and only a fourth continue down further. So the odds just statistically are on your side if you stick it out and avoid trying to time the market. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, the odds are on your side if you just stick it out, you know, particularly at this point. And, and there are also studies out there of people who try to time the markets during these downturns. And what they show is that you're likely to hurt yourself by selling, um, and you're most likely going to buy in at a higher price later if you do sell and go more conservative at this point. Um, so you're not likely to help yourself if you do something at this point. Um, so you, you do need to stick it out. You know, so now that we've answered the, that, that you know, elephant question in the room, you know, let's get back to kind of where the markets are and this virus, where it might go from here. Um and quite frankly, I'm encouraged kind of because of what we've seen in China and South Korea, you know, after only a month of kind of serious efforts to contain the virus. Um, when I look at the World Health Organization's website <clears throat> that charts out those countries, you mm -hmm. know, and the infection rate in those countries, um, what you see is that China, they reached the 500 confirmed cases on January the 22nd of this year. Um and they had been successful at dramatically slowing the spread by February the 18th. It's about okay. a month. A about a month. Than, yeah. Less than, yeah, only about four weeks later, less than four weeks later, um, they were very successful at stemming the tide of the outbreak. Um, by the same token, South Korea hit 500 cases on February the 23rd, and they had dramatically slowed the spread of that the outbreak by March the 12th. That was just three weeks later. So, you know, here in the U.S., I mean, we hit 500 confirmed cases, uh, you know, last week, March March the 8th. Um, so hopefully we'll be successful at dramatically slowing the spread here in another few weeks. Um, and if that's the case, I think the markets are going to respond very positively to that. And it could go a long way to limiting the damage in the economy. Yeah, if you look at South Korea and Japan, they've already begun to reopen museums and other public buildings. And China has reopened factories. They're starting to fly again. And, of course, we don't know the extent of the damage to their economy. It certainly has uh, slowed it down um, or how fast they can fully reopen but I think it gives us, you know, a lot of hope um, that this could be a short shutdown and, uh, you know, by stemming the spread uh, as much as possible. So, you know, again, our advice is not to panic or make any big moves in reaction to this situation or the markets, but instead focus on the long-term goals. And, um, you know, now could be a great time to add money to your portfolios and uh, focus on that spring yard work. I don't know uh, if you've noticed a little yeah. bit of pollen out there. Oh, my goodness. It is a, a fog and out there, no doubt. 
Yeah, so I mean, you know, I mean, obviously this is a serious situation, and we don't mean to minimize it at all. I mean, no. it, it, you know, it could get a lot worse. We don't know where this is going to go. Nobody has a crystal ball. Having said that, I think there is a lot of reasons to be optimistic that, you know, they could get a handle on this. It could slow. The spread could slow pretty dramatically in a few weeks like it has in South Korea and China, and that would make a big difference. Um you know, meanwhile, I mean, you do want to avoid conflict, you know, contact with other people, you know. Conflict, you want, too. Conflict, too. <laughs> you know, definitely contact with other people in this and avoid exposure, you know, to this disease. Um, in case you're wondering, I mean, you know, us as a company, Richard Young Associates, I mean, we have a robust contingency plan here in our office, which enables us to service clients from home um, or in remote locations as well as here in the office, of course. Um, for our clients, we can meet by video conference over the phone. In addition to meeting in person, we've taken a lot of extra measures for sanitizing the office, keeping social distancing, you know, avoid contact. Um, we do have some employees working from home now that, you know, can work very effectively in that environment and service accounts. Um, and we're prepared to ensure that we, we're always staffed here in our office and we're going to do whatever is necessary to continue servicing our, our clients and accounts and regardless of what happens with this virus. So, you know, that's our public service announcement <laughs> regarding this situation. Yeah. But, uh, you know, let us know if you have questions about that. I just wanted to throw that in there as well. Okay. Well, that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with um, – I've had – it was interesting. On one day I had two clients call me up and say, hey, should we be buying some – uh, some travel industry stocks and specifically Royal Caribbean mm. uh, down 60 to 70 percent. And, um, uh, you know, obviously that industry has been been decimated. And um, I mean, the conversation was as well, we probably already own those in the portfolio, right? Right. Um, we own a little piece of those, I'm sure. Probably um, a, a very small piece of them. But, um, you know, if you go and start, you know, getting individual stocks, I mean, we don't know what the cruise industry is going to look like. If you go back to 2011, um, excuse me, if you go back to 9-11, um, you know, it took a, about a year to two years for the airline industry to get back up and running. Right. Now, I mean, I personally think it's going to be quicker than that because people were scared of flying. Right. Right. Because right. of the terrorist attacks and right. so forth. So this is a little different. I think once the curve is flattened out, I think people will, will begin to travel again. But I, when you invest in individual stocks, I mean, can you imagine owning a very large portion of that stock? Or let me give you another one. Do you remember Scana? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had yeah. so many people that owned, you know, and that had been Absol around forever. And Absolutely. guess what? It's not anymore. That's right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, a lot can happen. You know, there's an old saying in this industry: "Don't try to catch a falling knife." <laughs> you mm. know, and uh, you know, I mean, it is very tempting to go out there and try to buy oil stocks, <clears throat> try to buy Delta, try to buy you know things that are going way down that are just seems like they're selling for such a bargain. But, you know, there's a reason they're selling for a bargain because there is heightened risk. And, they, yes, they may – they'll still be flying, you know, jets, you know, I'm sure Delta, you know, you know, three years from now. But the question is, will they have to go through reorganization to do it? Yeah. And if they do, and if you own the stock, you get zero yeah, most right. likely, you know. And so, I mean, I think back to 2008 um, – you know, I actually went out and bought a couple things in 2008 that I shouldn't have bought, yeah. John. You know, I thought there were no-brainers. I thought, you know, how could how could uh, uh, <clears throat> you know Fannie Mae go mm -hmm. go bankrupt? Yeah, I mean, right. they're government backed. They're yeah. a tacitly government backed organization. 
Well, guess what? They got reorganized, and, you know, the stockholders never get bailed out. Sure. The organization gets bailed out, but the stockholders do not get bailed out. Yeah, my, one of my stories is a long time ago, um, Pan Am Airlines, and for those younger folks listening to us, that is no longer in operation. <laughs> for sure. I, I bought, I had $700 that was given to me by my grandmother, and unfortunately... Uh, it was a penny stock, so I owned a, a, you know thousands of shares. I mean, I was yeah, I yeah, was yeah. I was big with thousands of shares, and then it went to zero. And you know, it doesn't matter how many shares you own, so you just got to be careful with individual stocks. I yeah, mean, it's, you it's do, very you do. Risky. Anything can happen there, but that's a great question of the week. All right, and that leads us up here to our next topic, and that is um, kind of what's next. You know what. What should you be doing now? What's next for this market? Yeah, and I want to put this in perspective a little bit. 2001, when, when 9-11 happened, I just wanted to throw some stats out. It just, you know, I mean, people have asked me, you know, is this like 2008? And 2008 was a, a problem. It was systemic. It, it went over, you know, a year and a half. We didn't understand the problem, didn't understand how to fix it. I think this is a little different. Um, not that we understood how to fix 9-11 necessarily, but this is something that other parts of the world are going through. The world has seen pandemics before. Yep. So I think we know how to fix this one, and it's going to you know change a little quick. But 9-11 was a, was a mental challenge. I remember where I was. Um, I was up in Charlotte at that time, and I think everybody remembers that. This kind of feels the same. I mean, they've taken away all of the sporting events. I mean, like the Masters is yeah, that's is painful. It is. It really is. It's different. This last weekend, I found myself, you know, I mean, I, I don't watch a lot of TV on the weekends, but I do like to watch some sporting events, and there was just nothing. So we went outside, and I think a lot of other people did that as well. But yeah, no good time to walk in the Greenway or something. That's right, exactly. So um, in the third quarter um, of, of the 2011, when 911 happened, the the economy contracted about 1.7 percent. So, wouldn't be surprised to see a, a negative quarter or two. No, right? no, definitely. I mean, yeah. that, that that probably is going to happen. But then in the fourth quarter of that year, it actually there was 1.1 percent growth. So, I think once the initial shock was over, of that people started kind of getting back to their lives. And right, I mean, we can't predict what's going to happen with this. But man, it just feels like. When they get this curve flattened and they start getting some more uh, information on the disease, that it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna change and it's gonna do better. Yeah, it feels like the market's gonna, you know, it's gonna rebound pretty. Since it drops so quickly, yeah. I think the other side is also probably gonna happen, and it's probably gonna recover, you know, quicker than normal. Yeah. Um, for this type drop, but we don't know what that looks like. So we're not going to speculate too far on that. Um, but, you know, the point is, you know, you don't need to panic, right? I mean, studies show that your emotions do the most damage to your long-term success. So, you know, your plan already incorporates about 25% negative years. If you're, you know, looking at a retirement plan through uh, that we've done for you, right? Um, we build that into our plans. And history show that bear markets recover in about 400 days. And, you know, that's, that that's a slow grinding bear market, you know. That's not the type bear market I think we've seen this time. So, yeah, this has happened in a month. <laughs> I suspect this is going to be a lot different than that, and probably will recover a lot faster. Yeah, and so one of the keys and one of the things we're spending a lot of time with our clients is, uh, you know, what process are you using when you go through these negative years? Um, and and we like to think about the portfolios from a share balance. And and if you think about it, you own the same number of shares as you did a month ago. Uh, prices are down. So what is your process? What are you using? And um, one one thing that we like doing is if you can add to that share balance when the prices are down, historically, that's worked very well. It's been a great way to, to build wealth. And so one way to add shares 
is to rebalance. And and rebalancing yeah. just means, hey, we go in and sell something that is done well, that is held up, and that's bonds typically, and we go buy some stocks when they're down. Uh, the, yep. the you know past performance does not guarantee future results, but they've recovered a hundred percent of the time. So rebalancing is something you know if you're not working with us, go take a look at your portfolio. This may be an opportunity. Um, another way to to add shares is to add money. Uh, you mentioned that we have a lot of clients that are adding money. I mean, yeah, we do you know, actually. It's, it's refreshing to get a call and say, "Hey, I want to put twenty in, or thirty, or or five hundred, or whatever the number is." Um, and so we certainly wouldn't recommend that you touch your emergency fund. Uh, to do that, leave that out of the picture or any other named money. And I wanted to use an example on this. I had a client that um, had several hundred thousand dollars that we pulled out of the markets in um, December because he was he wanted to pay cash for a house in June. Right. And so, you know, looking back, it was a good time to pull it out of the market. Well, he sent me an email about a week ago saying, hey, I want to put it back into the market. No, good move. So, well, yeah, so we're still having those conversations and so forth, but you got to be, you know, if you have a name on it, you got to make sure that um, you're prepared for, you know, the, the volatility associated with it. So, um, so adding money, um, you know, now is, is if you, if you have available, if you have access to it, maybe a, a way to add some shares as well. Another way to, to increase your share total is to change your allocation. I mean, we have some clients that are, um, 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. And they're like, hey, I want to take 10% of my balance. So let's say you have a $100,000 balance. You're going to take 10% of that or $10,000, sell it from bonds and go buy stocks. Right. It's another way to add some shares to the process. And then the, the you know, another one is reinvest um, dividends. So dividends are being spun off of the stocks. And instead of taking those as cash, they're being reinvested into the shares. And and one last one here, which is really cool, we've had a couple of clients doing this, is doing Roth conversions. Yep. Right? If you can get, uh, you know, inexpensive money from an IRA into a Roth, when it does come back, you're going to have more after-tax money. So. Absolutely. Some, some yeah. different strategies yeah. to, to look at. It's a good at. time to I mean, do that. <clears throat> Taxes are down, yeah. you know. Some opportunities. Are down. Yep. Good time, no doubt. Um, yeah, reallocating is a great thing. And not taking money out, I think, is another thing. If you can delay a distribution now, you know, would be a good time to do that when market's down. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that conservative. Pres- yep. preserves your shares. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can do it later when markets are back up. Um, I think it's a good way to do it. So. You know, and that's part of how you protect the shares. Um, you know, how do you do that? Well, when you need money, maybe you pull it from cash instead, right? So if you have some fixed income in your portfolio, that's what it's there for. We pull it from bonds. We do that automatically in our management. Yep. You know, we are always pulling from whatever's the highest. And when markets are down, that that's fixed income. Yep. And so if somebody has 40% fixed income in their portfolio and they're taking, say, even 5% a year, which would be a pretty good-sized distribution – Heck, that'll last eight years. Mm-hmm. So they have eight years worth of income they can pull from the fixed income part of their portfolio. So they really don't need to worry about the stocks. The stocks can, yeah. can you know, have eight years to recover, yeah. you know, and we're going to pull automatically from that. And that's what you want to do individually if you're pulling out of your SIP plan or some other, you know, 401k plan or something. Yeah, I had I had a co- uh, conversation with a client this morning and was just looking at the, the, the account and the process that we're using and we raised cash for distributions, and we did it back in January. So, okay. you know, we sold stocks because they had done well. Right. Put it into cash, and now we're doing distributions a couple of months out of the cash bucket. Um, so we don't, we're not touching the stocks. You don't have to touch the stocks right now. When we go to do it again in June, then we'll pull it from the bonds if the stocks are still down. So the process here is 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 important. And, you know, history shows that if you, if you stay put and don't let your emotions control – 
your decisions and you'll be better off long term. So, you know, when you understand some of that history and you have a process in place, you can weather these type of events. And um, for those of you listening out there, we're here um, to have these conversations. We cannot predict the future, um, but, you know, there's a process in place and we do understand history very well. And uh, there is a way to get through this and, um, you know, getting extra toilet paper is one, one step maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you do want to go find but, some uh, of that. But don't panic. We, we too will, this too will pass. Yeah. And that's a great point. That leads us right up to our prescription of the week because that is our prescription of the week. Go ahead. Yeah. Don't let emotions take over your, your decision uh, making. I mean, you know, you have, I've listened, Dave Ramsey's been out on Fox. Uh, Buffett's obviously out there talking, um, you know, talk to your advisor if you're working with someone else, but don't let emotions get in your way of, of logical thinking. This will be resolved. There are millions of people working on this problem worldwide and, um, you know, we've solved things in the past before, and this, too, will be resolved. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's right. You let the process take care of itself, you know, in your portfolio and your investments. Don't make some emotional decision thinking that you know kind of where this is going and you're somehow going to manipulate this situation to your advantage because your emotions will will betray you. You know, <laughs> it's not emotions are not a good part of an investing process. No, they're um, not. So you don't want to follow that. So, uh, you know, uh, rely on good, sound judgment and advice and uh, leave the emotions out of the picture. That's your prescription of the week. All right. And that leads us up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. And uh, give us a call if you have questions at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.